Hello there. A quick heads up just before the actual podcast starts is unfortunately the audio recording from Will does sound pretty shitty. We did record this through speakers on Discord, so big apologies there, but hopefully it doesn't bleed your ears too much and you can make it through. We will make sure that in future podcasts when we are not in the same room that it doesn't end as shitty as this, uh, but we do have an enjoyable conversation nonetheless, so hopefully you can enjoy it too. Sorry again, and on with the show. And welcome back to another episode of City of Geek. And this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to pop culture that takes our fancies. I am Ryan, your host, and as always, I'm joined with virtual co-host William. Hello there from the interwebs. Hello. How is one? Yeah, good. Good. Um, it's been a busy day at work, but we're here. We managed to set up something which we hope works. Yeah, hopefully this will work. If it doesn't, whatever. Anyway, we're joined this week once again, uh, regular recurring uh, guest, it's Gemini. Surprise! Hello. Uh, the reason why you're back is because we are finally doing the, well, year one, chapter one of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, as you can see by the title. Well, the whole Philosopher's Stone, not just chapter one. Chapter one in the series of Harry yes, Potter. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, just chapter one. Yes. Oh. Uh, just Mr. Dursley takes a walk around town. Yeah, we've basically. all uh, listened to the Harry Potter at home uh, readings of Harry Potter the book. So we're basically going to try and do the side-by-side comparison, what we all think, which is better, which is worse. And I've also read the book. Uh, just, well. a, just, a, just a constant war. Yeah, reading the book as well. So that's all good. Um, so uh, we'll just get, jump straight into it. Um, how did you find the Harry Potter at home, Willem? Willem, Willem, def- well, you're, you're Willem I the Golden. I found it very entertaining. I, I, I finished listening to it yesterday before yeah. I made dinner. Um, I had less chapters to go than I thought I did. I literally only had the last two chapters to oh, nice. listen <laughs> nice. to last night, which was re- really good, actually. Um, but yeah, it was, it was very, very good. As somebody who weirdly ended up with the second book being the first book of Harry Potter that I had... <laughs> And never really fully reading it. I, I got quite a way through it, but I can't remember any of it now. Yeah. So it's nice to kind of digest the book in a format that was, you know, was easy for me at the moment. Because like I'm re- I'm reading some other stuff at the moment, so it would be, it'd be difficult for me to kind mm. of fit in. Although I do want to read all the Harry Potter books eventually for myself. It was very easy, um, di- easy digestible uh, listenings uh, because of the whole chapters and different people reading them because uh, you listened to them while you were watching uh, doing your like D&D stuff didn't you yeah I was just I was literally I, I, I sat here and I listened to the last two chapters while I did a load of banking stuff yesterday so banking. it was like <laughs> brilliant a load of admin stuff and just it, they were really Makes nice it a bit more fun. and also it lends very much to like the way they're written is so digestible and so mm. easy to read yeah and there's yeah. something very it's weird it, there's something very comforting about them, I yeah. feel. Yeah. Well, it was initially a children's book, really. Yeah, you could say they are, until this they get true, to yeah. death. Yeah, but that's, well, yeah, but it's yeah. kind of... It, the whole thing is, people who start reading them kind of grow up with the story, so the story gets darker as the people who are reading it get older. Yeah. So... You have you have that in a lot of uh, well, pop culture, like, 
sci-fi story based uh yeah series young adult series stuff. yeah um so yeah we'll i don't go... know what that says about life but there we are let's not think about it too much yeah. do, do you guys remember the first time you read harry potter or listened to or watched anything to do with harry potter no no doubt that gem as soon as it came out you well, read it and watched I... it I don't know at what point exactly, like, how old I was when I first read it, but I've, I must have been very young, because me and my mum talking about this the other day, she thought we went to see the film first, and that got me into it, and I started reading. But I, my first memory of Harry Potter is looking at the book, rather than watching the film. Yes. So I think I read it first, but we're not too sure. But I just have a vague memory of looking at the blurb of a book, and sort of thinking, oh, what's this? And... My life was never the same, really. But, yeah. Um, I must have been. Ooh. Oh, I mean, if it was around the time the film came out, it would have been two thousand one. Yeah. Because we would have been. I would have been. I would have been about six. Uh, oh yeah. no, two thousand one. Yeah, I would have been about four. Four, five. Four, five. Yeah. However, basically, as soon as I was able to read it, because like I'm, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but I was always quite a good reader. I was kind of yeah more ahead of like most kids my age. Yeah, yeah. So I. Like, even though it seems quite young to have been reading it, I was at, kind of at that level, I guess. But I don't mm. exactly know how old I was. I could have, yeah. But it's basically been part of my life for as long as I remember. So. Yeah. What about you, Will? When did you It's just remember? a tricky one. Like, I, I... Do you know what just popped into my head as well? Not, not only did I end up with the second book as the first book I got, I ended up with the second movie as the first one I bought on DVD. I don't know why that was. <laughs> You're, you're not, skipping you're, number one yeah you don't need the world building I, I, you understand everything as soon as you go in you don't need it yeah <laughs> exactly yeah yeah i you know i i have the i bought the blu-rays of all of them uh like a year or so ago so yeah um i, I have a copy of all of them now but yeah um Got them on yeah that. it's um i'm trying to remember because i remember everybody being very fanatically into them that's that's like my first memory of harry potter was yeah. that other people were like oh my god the new harry potter book is out i think it was around the time order of the phoenix came out uh, and everybody okay. was like oh my god we've got to get order of the phoenix and yeah like, i think that's when the yeah. hype kind of big started thing. being really big when did they um... and that was like when i felt like harry potter was at the the, the, the most hype that it had yeah yeah it was through that um that's my first big memory of it i had the second book as i said before that Mm. Um, I think it might have just been on a whimsy like I don't know whether my mum was out one day and she was like I'll pick up this book for Will to read it it'll be good <laughs> and she picked up one of the Harry Potter books because she was like oh they're good and yeah here and they're but good I was never a massive reader when I was a kid really I wasn't. like I I tried many times to get into books and ended up with like five or six like a quarter read because oh. I just I'd get oh, yeah. to a point where I just stop reading them but yeah. I absolutely detest reading so it's easier it's good that there's like audiobooks and everything that can read to you um but i guess harry potter and maybe in like one more was the only book in school that i really enjoyed reading i was able to like get into it and i think i remember the time i think it was in year seven uh did you ever did you ever uh let's read harry potter in school year no seven? sadly no <laughs> I, I feel like I've got a memory of it, but I can't remember why or where yeah. that was. I remember because we had to like draw it, a it, map of Diagon Alley and stuff as well. Oh, yeah. I would have loved to have done that. Why did my school do that? Yeah. <laughs> my school's lame. Um, 
But yeah, cool. like I absolutely yeah. I think Harry Potter and Of Mice and Men was like the only two books we read in school which I actually oh, I did enjoyed. Do that one. Yeah. yeah, all the others could just go. Of Mice and Men's a pretty good book. It is a very good book. Yeah. Um, I'd like to read that again. But so this the first book came out what year i'm gonna ask you yes yeah, so i'm gonna ask you all this trivia you're, you're good <laughs> oh, no, no good for this so that came out in 97 like and that was like an instant hit wasn't it pretty uh, much everyone was like oh my god this is incredible stuff and like this whole story of so. jk well, like, Rowling obviously going to different book uh, development yeah well. she went to 12 publishers yeah. beforehand all of them rejected it and then bloomsbury were the ones who picked it up and, then, and those 12 publishers are probably kicking themselves so oh, hard absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and probably never forgiven themselves since but yeah yeah I think I, I don't I can't know if it was an, obviously I can't remember because I was too young but I don't know if it was like instantly a hit or if it was like enough go. to ga- grab the interest I and mean, then it just yeah. grew as it went on I'm just trying but to f- I, th- it, I think it, it definitely wasn't a failure yeah as far as I remember I'm, I'm trying to I'm, it obviously wasn't a failure because they made a film four years later <laughs> well true yeah no, but you know I'm, what I mean but that, that in that sense I can't remember I might be just completely oblivious to this whole side of things, but I can't remember a last time where a f- book came out and a film of that book came out instantly, like, well, within five years of that book coming out. Um, it's so, it, it, shows, it shows you what a massive hit it was. Yeah. I mean, The Hunger Games... I was about to look up Hunger Games. The Hunger Games were, yeah. Because like, they started filming the first movie, I think, when the second book was out. And then they were waiting yeah. for Yeah, the, the first film of Hunger Games came out about 2012, I think. Yeah. Uh, Hunger Games book. Google. Uh, There's this uh, really good site that we're currently looking at called uh, Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't think people have ever heard of it. It's, no. uh, it's a really good information website. So, um, yeah, Hunger Games came, came out in 2008 and then, and then the film came film. out about four years later. So. so, again, it's almost equal with Harry Potter and it being like, a, oh, Christ, this is Instant, a really good... Yeah good hit so we need to make a film out of it although the first film was more of like a not like an indie film but it wasn't like a big Hollywood film yeah it was very uh, lesser lesser budgeted yeah and then it got more popular we're going into Hunger Games now (laughs) no no it's fine because it's uh, was it would you say Harry Potter is one of the first young adult well I mean I guess children's children's thing but it 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 started that whole I think it was the same with like Lion Witch and the Wardrobe it started this trend of oh, we're going to start making a series where we have, like, kid actors who grow up with the films that they're filming in that thing. Like, we had Hunger <laughs> to, Games. To be honest, it's it's the only franchise that's really done it successfully. Yeah. If you really think about mm. it. Like, yeah. Because all the others kind of had their... Either, like, the Narnia books, which they kind of just stopped after the ones that were vaguely interesting. It was, it was yeah. the third they that they stopped that <laughs> Although yeah. I would have liked to have seen, like, the last two Narnia books, to be honest, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's it's really the only franchise that's managed it. It might be one of the longest ones as well, because things like Hunger Games and that, there's only three stories. But then for, they're obviously like... Well, yeah, four films. <laughs> I'm, I'm but trying to th- whereas Harry Potter has got a much larger time span, so the children really do grow up from 11 years old I wonder, I wonder what, what series adults. decided to start off doing that trend of splitting the last book into two parts and a film. I think just Harry to... Potter was the first. It was, it was the... Harry Potter, I think. Yeah, I believe so. You have Twilight I wrong, doing so it. I am, but I can't think of anything yeah. before Harry Potter did that. Oh yeah, when did, um, when did New Moon come out? Yeah, because you have I can't tw- believe I'm about to Google Twilight. New Moon, I, I, think was, I think that was too much. Make sure you delete your b- browser history for the whole world. Uh... <laughs> Twilight stuff. I'll do it. I don't yeah. know Twilight. <laughs> no, like yeah, Twilight did that. Like copied that trend of splitting the last book into two. Uh, I guess you it. could 
would you would you be able to say that the hobbit milked it because the hobbit is a really small book from what i remember or, or someone told me maybe it's either that all like the whole lord of the rings in general is quite smallish and obviously you've got the silmarillion which is gigantic I, rings was a lot, but I, don't know. I don't know i'll have to ask pete and ed and all that but like you have um you know like we said hunger games we have twilight we have like the maze runner Franchise, which I think is stopped at the third. There was a third and final one that came out a couple of years I've ago. I've only seen the first film, so. Um, yeah, it's alright. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. It's alright. Don't grab my attention, I'm but. Trying to, we've got like the Percy Jackson films as well. They did two. Yeah. They did Lightning Thief and Sea of Monsters or something. I was supposed to say Sea of Thieves, that's a good Sea of Thieves. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like the Lightning Thief and the Sea of Monsters, yeah. That's, that's it. one. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing Percy Jackson in The Lightning Thief. And I was right. like, this is a decent movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. I've never yeah, watched that's... the second one, though. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, um, I don't like them. Yeah, so that's like a... I'm trying to think, well, you know, because this is, what, we're in 2020 right now. Is there, a, like, a still an ongoing young adult series or, like, novel book book series still going? Yeah. Uh... Just, just quickly... Uh... Yeah. Harry Potter did it first by a year. They did it first. Year, ah, yeah. okay. And then Twilight came out the following year with two books, uh, two films, even. Part yeah. one and two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Harry Potter does but, yeah. it well, and I, I think that's a. Well, again, we're just going to like get into the first film really briefly, but like, as a whole, I feel Harry Potter is, you know, I'm a massive Marvel fan. You're a massive DC fan, Will, but I, I would strongly suggest or say that. Um, Harry Potter is the most consistently good franchise. Oh yeah, ever. <laughs> I really, really would yeah. say that. Yeah, um, you know, you got like the Star Trek and Star Wars, which has its ups and downs. You have Marvel, which doesn't have like every single film is an absolute hit, but every Harry Potter film most certainly is at least good, if not great. Mm. No, I would agree. I think they're all enjoyable i think it's such a hard thing to do but i think and you can you can be nitpicky and i'm sure we all have things with the harry potter movies that we would like to see done differently but i don't think you can say any of them are bad movies they're all entertaining no, exactly movies. No, yeah I, I don't think and so. they it, all deliver on what and that's a real yeah there's a real testament to jk Rowling's writing because like yeah, yeah like normally every single first film or book in a series is great because it's like it enters you into this world of outrageousness but all obviously easily digestible so you can understand where everything and then it's just sequels are hard man yeah exactly like but people she... don't i think people forget sometimes because i think we're so used to having like two three movies of a particular yeah. thing thrown at us all the time now that writing sequels is hard and she did it for seven books and kept it yeah. Consistent. You, know, you, you she's still doing it <laughs> like yeah. whether you think it's good or bad like with the fantastic beast film she's still adding stuff and thinking it's all great and everything um i think it's got to one where she keeps adding stuff and people are getting a bit annoyed because it keeps yeah changing it but yeah yeah uh and yeah it's she what, what she does with her writing and like well the filmmaking also it's you know yes it's a new year like you you're used to this world you're used to what you know but she's adding stuff not she's not adding too much but she's not adding too little for you to stay interested yeah there's always something new yeah and fun to learn about Mm. new spells and new locations and you know world building in general is just really good uh yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely so 
Shall we quickly because go- I googled yeah. it? But I want to ask you guys this and see if you can take a guesstimate of this. Okay. How much has the Harry Potter franchise made since oh, its I, I looked this up. I looked this up a couple months ago. Oh um, lord! Um, I just quickly googled it. I'm gonna is say. This a, is this it's like box office taking us in like the first weekend or like just the whole of it? The whole franchise. The whole thing. The whole franchise. I'm gonna the books, s- the movies, the, the, the theme parks, the whatever. Oh lord. Um, well, I know from the. I don't know about books. I know about films because films norm. Like, I think they average nearly like a billion each film, mm. maybe a little bit less. Well, there's seven uh, or eight billion automatically there. Yeah, I'm mm. gonna say thirty billion. I think if, you're adding billion. If, if you're adding everything Ooh. like books, films, merchandise, merchandise the, the, the massively, theme yeah. parks, you know, because it's like you, Fantastic Beasts. When you think of like merchandising for any franchise, merchandising is the. Th- Thing that earns the most money like star wars all of its money is earned from merchandising and funny enough george lucas has all the merchandising rights so yeah yeah <laughs> he made a good Smart deal move, there george. he made a really yeah. good bet yeah made a good deal there <laughs> what's your guess then right i sell, sell the movie rights but <laughs> i mean four billion plus merchandising that's that's pretty good work from george lucas i'm gonna say Oh, God. Maybe, uh, I would say 30 billion is about right. I'd say it might be, should we do higher or lower sort of thing? I'll, I'll be like, uh, I'll, I'll say 35. And if I'm over. Well, you've, you've both overshot it. Oh, really? Uh, the, the, est- the estimate figure here is 25 billion. I was only off by five. Yeah, yeah we're about <laughs> 10, 10 billion. Now, only five fine. billion. That's, that's, a, that's like an approximate rounded figure, but it's, yeah. it's around 25 billion. It's probably risen since then, obviously, but... Yeah, okay. that's good. Yeah. Very interesting. J.K. Rowling's really made a lot of dosh from this. Um, Even people are happy about that right now. <laughs> so we'll get into the film now. Um, we watched it a couple of weeks ago altogether. Uh, mm-hmm. What do we think? Does it hold up? Is it oh, great? Yeah. It's such a fun movie. It's it's a great movie. It's a great intro. The Stone is so fun. Yeah, um, the whole cast is incredible as well. I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, you have like these, like I say, like teen child films, and like you know, you you'd be like, ah, oh, but the acting's not great from the children because the children, obviously. But even though, like Daniel Radcliffe, and f- through to bloody Tom Felton, all great, mm. all incredible, and all like you can you can see why every single one of the kids was cast, can't you? Exactly. Just instantly. Mm. Yeah. Like uh, Alice, you you told me a story about. Um, Emma Watson as Hermione and how she got cast. Oh Danny. yeah, so so she got cast, you know, through the audition process as normal, and um, uh, I think it was J.K. Rowling who told this story, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's accurate. But she said that the first time she spoke to Emma Watson was on the phone, and she, from talking to her, she was like, "This girl is perfect for Hermione. I absolutely love her." And then she met him, uh, Emma Watson and was like. She's too pretty to be Hermione, but you know what? She's too perfect for the role. I don't care. Because <laughs> Hermione's meant to be, like, not ugly, but she's meant to be kind of, you know, she's got big, puffy hair. She's got buck teeth. She, she, she's, yeah. she's not, like, the most attractive girl in, like, society's she, she is a stereotypical nerd, like, from, geek, what, yeah, from, from very, what I can picture. She's really two-shoes, that thing. She's, she's the nerd of the three, yeah. yeah. the bumbling one. So, she's the nerd, and Harry's the, you know... Average guy. Superstar athlete. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Um, kid who's good at everything yeah. yeah but obviously Emma Watson is 
uh, well, she's a beautiful woman right now, and when she was a girl, she was very pretty as well. Yeah. And so J.K. Rowling was like, she's a bit too pretty for Hermione, but you know, she, in every other way, she's perfect for her for it. So yeah, go ahead. She said something like, "If I saw you before, yeah, if, I she's, heard you if speak. she's seen Emma Watson, she might not have said like, yes, that's right." But because she spoke to her first, she yeah. was like, you know what? Incredible it's stuff. fine. I'm, I'm going to have to let this one go. Like, yeah. she's super perfect for it. Um, and, well, speaking of Emma Watson, she's... With these sort of roles, you're kind of worried that you might be typecast in your specific role. So you'd be like, find it hard to get another job or like, you know, you'd have fans think like, oh, I can't really see you other than Hermione. But Emma Watson, I'd say, out of all of the actors in Harry Potter has broken out of that. At least the main three, yeah. Yeah, uh, especially the main three. She's broken out of that typecast and role. Like she's been in Beauty and the Beast live action. She's been in... Perks for Wallflower. Yeah. Perks for being a Wallflower. Films with like Tom Hanks and everything like that. Circle. She's done really, really well for herself. Yeah. Well, I think... Yeah, I think it's it's interesting that I think all of the young cast, not just like the main three, but if you look at kind of all of them, they've all kind of done their own thing, which yeah. I think is really... Mm. You know, it's probably very easy to do your own thing when you've been part of a successful franchise. But yeah, you know, it, it, you know, Daniel Radcliffe has kind of found his niche. He does a lot of stage work now. He's, you know, he's very much active in that area of mm. theatre and things. And he he's done the odd movie, obviously, but yeah. um, and tends to be sort of indie movies. But um, you know, and, and Rupert Grint has kind of done his own thing. He's done a few sort of indie movies. I'd say he's done good films, yeah. Um, but he's like. It, what I love is that all of them have kind of, I kind of respect that all of them have kind of done what they wanted to do. They've not really tried yeah. to stay current, or they've kind of just gone with the flow of where it's taken them. And I think, I think, like Emma Watson, she's more been in the, like the political light as well. She's like taken her like stature and her, I don't know, celebrity power and focused that on like helping everyone else. And yeah, she's a. Big voice, like, rights activist, movement. and stuff like that. Which yeah. she, she she's uses done a speech her in the UN very, very well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's incredible. I think something else as well about the Harry Potter series is that, for the most part, you know, you worry about all these series having child actors, and there's like this stereotype of child actors that they kind of get a bit messed up, and like you know, you've got the whole Disney Channel reputation that half of them have end up doing drugs or whatever. But with Harry Potter, for the most part. They've all turned out well. We, 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 I mean, the guy who played Crab did get arrested. I was literally about we to say that like, he was probably I th- involved. I think in a couple that. of them did some stuff, but considering how many child actors there were in that film, the majority of them have turned out all right. Yeah. So what happened to the guy who played Crab? He was like involved in the, he was involved in the London riots or something. I think like he, that. I think it was One something year. to do with drugs, or he got caught fighting or something. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, that's the reason why he's not in the last film. And it's Blaze of Uni in there instead. Yeah. Um, in the in the scene where they're in the room of requirement, and uh, Malfoy's like, "You've got my wand and all that kind of stuff." And the it's supposed to be Crab who um, conjures up the fiend fire, that big fire that chases them around the room. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's Crab, but obviously the actor wasn't in it, so Goyle did it instead in the film. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically why he wasn't in it because he got arrested, so he was out of the series. Good, good, good on him. Mm. Well done, mate. Well, anyway. Apart from that. <laughs> yeah, speaking back to the first film, there's, you know, because like, like I said, we both listened to the entirety of the book also. There's not many differences. There's maybe like the odd one or two characters, maybe, but ultimately it's 
picture perfect, like you know, ex- exactly the same there's thing. Not, and there's not even a lot of missing characters from the first book that I could tell. There was like one no. or two that I was like, okay, okay, they're like side side characters that like pop in for one moment, and they're not really. Important. Yeah, I know. Later on in the books, there are side characters that get slightly more attention that weren't in the movies, just because you can only have a cast that's so big. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like it it translates really well. And there's only, as you said, there's only a couple of scenes. There's like I think the the, the first scene of the book, the first chapter of the book, obviously is not in the movie. Yeah, so from like scene two, scene one is the like chapter two of the book. Um, yeah, yeah. Ch- chapter one is basically Mister Dursley and going around town going to work and seeing all these strange... mr dursley's adventure <laughs> yeah he sees all these strange things happening and mentions of potter and he's a bit like is this something to do with my sister's family oh no should i tell her should i not no, 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 no. and in, in the end he sort of mentions to her and she's like no not hard for them no <laughs> and they just leave it and then as you say chapter two is basically where the film starts harry ends up on a doorstep and they're like what? Yeah, indeed, in the the first chapter of the book, it, it almost because in the films it's, it's almost like Mister Dursley is you know wears the trousers in the house sort of thing. Yeah. So it, but the book makes it as if like Mrs. Dursley, you no, don't get yeah, on the wrong side he, of her. She was, seems to be the yeah, <laughs> the more aggressive one. He's scared to mention like, yeah the, that fact the Potters and his uh, her sister because. As soon as he does, she just gives him a glare, and yeah, <laughs> he's very fearful of her. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think for the majority he is the man of the house, but when it comes to the Potters, he's like, I, I don't mention it. Don't no, mention none them. of my, none <laughs> don't of my business. There. Yeah, but yeah, but it gives more character development to them and more of a dynamic between the two. Yeah, it does. It kind of because everything you kind of learn about them is very much displayed in the movie. Like you can kind of get what their characters are like yeah. through their relationship with Harry and through the, the scenes they are in. But it does. I like it that it takes it one step further in the book and kind of shows you, kind of, not only sort of descriptively tells you, sort of verbatim that yes, this person is a little bit like this, yeah. But goes that step further and and kind of builds. I can't recall any lines off the top of my head, unfortunately, from the book. But there's there's a few that mention more of the relationship between, you know, the Dursleys and the Potters um, before yeah. Harry I mean... came into the picture. Speaking of those lines, I was just thinking the the very first line of a book is encapsulating exactly what you're saying, because the yeah. first line of a book is Mr. and Mrs. Dursley were proud to say they were perfectly normal. No, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number Four Privet Drive were proud to say they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much, and that just encapsulates them completely. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. No, I, no, I, no, I love no. the thank you very much. Just... That's literally <laughs> what it says. Yeah. Very yeah, that's very good. Um... <laughs> Just trying to think like well go let's focus a little more on the individual character because there's one that i kind of wish that they sort of kept in the I film know exactly you know exactly say. what i'm gonna say and that's peeves, peeves. the uh yeah. the poltergeist peeves, the po- poltergeist yeah uh, troublemaker i love that character because i remember well i'm assuming that we've all i know you have i don't know that you will <laughs> uh, have you, did you ever play any of the games on like the playstation 2 or pc that was to do with I'm slightly ashamed to say I think I've interacted with them but yeah. at a distance I've never been hands on with any of them well, it was obviously um, a couple of weeks ago or months ago even like it, it kind of resurfaced the old Playstation 1 Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone game because of how 
funny, let's say, the, the graphics oh, yeah, look. The past few years, it's been the kind of a joke. It's, it's yeah. the butt of the joke. But it was a very good game. I but, don't know why people slate it. They're, they're not slating it. It's, it's yeah. all in good jest. It's, I mean, anything that's old and has really old graphics can be like, oh, look at the graphics. But everyone knows that, at, you know, at the time and still to this day, if you actually play the games, yeah. they are good games. They're enjoyable. They're fun. You just have to look past the graphics. Yeah. <laughs> but um, the nostalgia makes up for it. But yeah, I just, like, when I was uh, listening to the books, even though... Uh, I haven't necessarily like sort of taken account. Well, it's the first time I read uh, or listened to the book in years. I could still remember like characters like Peeves coming up, and I recognise them immediately because of the games. Also, because Peeves yeah, is in... he causes trouble there. Yeah, um, but he was going to be played by Rick Mail, who unfortunately passed away a few years ago now. Yeah, and he was uh, he's uh, quite famous for playing one of the characters called Rick in. Uh, the young ones. I'm not sure if either of you. Have I've heard seen. of it, but he was really it. funny in that. Um, but yeah, he, it, the character of Peeves, it like yeah, it symbolises him. He was a bit of a yeah. joke, uh, a bit of a comedian. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, I've I've seen this guy. He was in Blackadder and things. Yes, yes he was yes, as yes, well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, but yeah, he was very much like a troublemaker, like just sort of being a misfit and just Mischievous. causing Interesting trouble. Point while we're on Peeves, the ghosts are a lot more involved in the book than they are in the movie. Yes. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I love that the history teacher is a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> just got up one day to teach, left his boy behind, didn't even notice. Yeah, Professor Bins. <laughs> Bins, is it? yeah. Yeah, Bins, yeah. Um, yeah, like you say, and we get a little bit more of like uh, nearly headless Nick as well uh, in the mm. book. Um, I might yeah, just a pre-one. I might get like uh, the first two books a little bit muddled up because we are currently reading uh, Chamber of Secrets, and yeah. again, like you say, they are playing a lot more of a part in that as well. Yeah, Nick gets a, a, a big, not big part, but he gets his own kind of <laughs> moment in the second book. He gets an entire chapter, filmed. let's say. Yeah, it's an <laughs> entire chapter basically. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, it is fantastic. Um, but yeah, that second book. <laughs> but yeah, uh, like the casting. You know, I think of even like I was saying that even the the characters that were cut in this film all incredible. You know, from um, Richard Harris being Dumbledore, um, you know, obviously uh, Snape, Alan Rickman, Alan Rickman. How dare you? How dare his I name? forget his name? The legendary. Yeah, legendary yeah. Alan Rickman. Oh. Um, just, you know, it's just so many really, really uh, John Cleese is uh, headless headless Nick. Nearly, Nearly headless. headless. Sorry. Nearly headless. Um, yeah, I can't think of like one character really, which I'm like, oh, that was a bit, you know, I'd rather see this actor portray him or anything like that. There's not, yeah. Every, I, every... I can't imagine it with any other cast. Exactly. Yeah. Would Would you think of the uh, who Who really stands out to you in the films? Do you think? Who I, stands out to me. In I'm the kind film? of biased in this because she's my favorite character, but Hermione. Yeah, I mean, I she think is Edward really good. Does in an that. Amazing job as Hermione. Yeah. I think Emma Watson stands out in most things she does because she's a very talented actress. But yeah, and she certainly does even early on in the Harry Potter franchise. Mm. Um, I think, I think Snape. Yeah, I think Alan Rickman just immediately his screen presence, even though he doesn't say a lot in the first movie. I seem to remember. Mm. Yeah, um, he doesn't need to. <laughs> doesn't have a big part. He has a bigger part in the book. There's a lot more. There's a lot more Quidditch in the book as well. I think. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. I remembered that that was a thing later on in the chapters. That's quite good. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, uh, he's just his presence immediately. Um, it's 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 weird. You you have one of those sort of experiences as you kind of get to know to more, you know, get to know more about him as you go on. That his performance, right from the word go, just makes sense. Yeah. And when you get to those moments, it feels Indeed. organic because he's kind of set them up with the mannerisms he's had in the previous movies. Wasn't... Well, apparently. Yeah, I was about to. Say, I'll probably, about to I'll say... probably ask you that question. Wasn't the the whole? So yeah, I think I I don't I don't know if it's from the very beginning, but I think more early on than anyone else knew, J.K. Rowling told Alan Rickman kind of Snape's story because she had at least a very skeleton of the whole series planned out. She had a basic idea of where she wanted to go with it. Um, exactly how much detail she had, I, I don't know. Apparently it was a lot, but obviously we have no idea. She's anyone who knows that. Mm. But she, apparently, um, I, I can't know if it's 100% true, but I think apparently she told Alan Rickman where Snape's story was going so that he was able to kind of play that and like the later films wouldn't clash with his earlier portrayal and everything. So, but she was the, he was the only person she told that to and if she, he's the only person she did that for with their character. Yeah. How so, how yeah. often were the books released? Like you said, 97 was the first one. Was it like year um, by year? Or every other, every other year? It was, it was between 97 and 2007. Because yeah. 2007 was the last, uh, last book. So seven books over a 10 year span. So pretty much every year. Yeah. Just like, I think, I think, there's Maybe, a, a bit gonna... of a gap between Goblet of Fire and Order of Phoenix, well, Order, possibly. Order, Order of the Phoenix, Phoenix is the biggest book. It's the biggest book, yeah. <laughs> so there might have been a two-year gap between that. I can't remember exactly where the gaps are. Yeah. But um, it, almost every year they came out. Yeah, that's incredible. To like, yeah, it, it, I was about to say, like, yeah, eat your heart out, J, uh, George R. R. Martin. Like, you know, he's probably been stuck on the same book for bloody years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, release them when you it's can. There's a hell of a lot more detail in the Game of Thrones books, yeah. though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I won't argue that. Yeah. yeah. It's um, a d- different, different, different type of storytelling. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I remember watching, because there's, there's an interview that floats around online with Alan Rickman before he passed away, where he's he talks about somebody asking the question of, like, um, what made you want to play the role of Snape? And and I think he's, he's like main, his first turn-off when the character was presented to him is that he was like I don't really want to play just a nasty teacher like I feel that's another like, villain it's yeah. not interesting you know I mean you can have some fun with it but it's not I guess he wanted just more depth from the character and it was uh, and as Alice said you know I think J.K. Rowling said like one word to him is uh, the legend apparently that he he tells in the interview mm-hmm. she said one word to him over dinner and and that was it. And he was hooked and he was like, okay. That was a pretty quiet yeah. dinner. Interestingly enough, he never he never said what it was because he promised he never No, would. he he kept that to himself, yeah. Aww. So he took that to the grave, so Fair play to him. Um what was I gonna say? We, we, we were talking about who sort of stands out in the Yeah, I one. I was gonna sorry, carry No no on. carry on, no no. You said uh, Emma Watson, is there anyone else in I your think eyes? um possibly because this is the only film he's in. But I think um What's his name? Ian um, Hart. Ian Hart, yes, thank Ian you. Hart. I was about to say Ian Holm, I was like, no, that's all the rings. <laughs> uh, we just watched all the rings, so I'm, I was getting yeah, confused. Ian Hart is Quirrell and Voldemort as well on the back of the head. Yes. They're both Ian Hart. And, yes, Ian Hart. Um, I think he does a good job. Yeah, even when I was reading the books and he was doing like the whole stuttering and being Quirrell's self, I was like, Ian Hart. 
that I, I can't picture yeah, again he... can't picture no one else but him maybe because you know I'm being biased and saw the films first and such but yeah like the way they described the turban the way he looked and everything like that it was yeah. I'd say yeah the massive thing in this film the visually is stunning oh like, yeah from like the, the production design like you know you could definitely tell what is real what is well actually no I, that's that's a lie I was about to say because you could tell what is real and what is fake no it, that blending of yeah. CGI and props and like the costume design it is all incredible because you you were talking about because um, obviously I've seen this sort of street, I've been to the studio tour but you were saying about how um, a lot of it is practical effects yes they tried to do it practical as much as they could yeah and because of that I think that's part of the reason why it still stands up is because yeah. a lot of it is practical effects like maybe not the best like at the time they were fine but now we can think of better ways to do it but they still hold up yeah. Whereas if it was all like CGI, obviously some of it is, but if it was all CGI, you'd be like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit naff. Yeah. But... Well, there's an, there's an interesting point to make is that I feel that's one of the major problems with the second Fantastic Beast movie. Yeah. Is that there's there's too much CGI in it, and there's not, and you when you take that out of the Harry Potter world, you definitely lose something. Mm. you just do like mm. when we see Harry experience Diagon Alley for the first time it just wouldn't be the same if that wasn't a set yeah. exactly it just would, you know it just wouldn't feel the same you know mm. yeah um, well yeah. it's you know, there's times where uh, in the film like with the troll and stuff and you'd think no. that uh, <laughs> now please troll. please do recite troll the words when we when we see the troll for the first time, you'd think oh, I was made in two thousand and one. Oh, it's gonna be a bit off. No, yeah, obviously that's CGI. <laughs> yeah, it's CGI, but it I think it still holds up. Like it still looks like a troll. I think I think a lot of it really really does hold up the CGI. Yeah. Like the, the bits with the the giant chessboard. Like obviously it's CGI. There's not actual giant fucking rock men smashing each other about. Like yeah, I can't. There's no well, like. Was, yeah. I can't remember a moment in the film where I'm like, "Oof, okay, that's off. That looks a bit naff or anything." That's like a that. thing. Yeah, um, even the, the Quidditch match holds up as well, really well. Yeah. Yes, like that's a very heavily CGI scene, but it, it yeah. looks really good. That's yeah. the thing. We, we we say I was saying like practical effects, but that's not to knock against what was CGI because even yeah, it was amazingly well done and, and the the CGI. We talked about uh, another very specific, incredible character that had probably a third of his entire uh, performance in the first film was Hagrid. Yes, we found that the other day. Yeah. Um, what did we find out? It's like forty-five minutes total. He yeah. Was on screen. So yeah, because there was an article that said about how much um, uh, screen time the characters have, um, and Hagrid had about forty-five minutes. A third of which was in the first film. Yeah. So. And really. We, yeah. We, and also, sorry, yeah. side note quickly, Draco Malfoy, in the total of the whole of the films, had half an hour screen time. Injustice. Anyway. That is inju- yeah, that is pretty bad. <laughs> Poor Tom Felton. Um, anyway, wow, it feels like he was on screen more than that, but that's yeah, exactly. That's... He was in Lord of Phoenix for about a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Um, but starting with Hagrid, it's we uh, found out that it was like. Yeah, when this, the camera was on, uh, actor's name, can't remember his name. Bobby Cotrain. Him. Um, you could tell, it's obviously him, but every time it was like a a shot towards Harry or anyone else, it was like a, a sort of puppet, wasn't it? it, it yeah, was it's, weird... it's a rugby player, um, 
whose name escapes me. I think it's Martin something. Yeah. Uh, but it's a rugby player who had an animatronic head of Robbie Coltrane on. On him. So uh, when it's like further <laughs> away, obviously you can't see as much detail. And so to show like the height differences, it was the rugby player. Yeah. But then obviously for the close-ups, it was for Robbie Coltrane. Yeah. And again, like that all looks incredible. Like when, you know, you even, even if Robbie Coltrane and Hermione or Harry are like literally in the same frame together... You're still like, fuck me, Hagrid is huge. <laughs> and uh, as well with the um, sorry, I'm just spouting a load of facts, yeah, behind scenes facts. Um, the way they did it with Hagrid's hut, I believe, was they had two different versions. So they had yeah. a version with everything very big, so that next to you know Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson, it would look huge compared to them. And then they had a smaller one, where compared to Robbie Coltrane, everything looked small. And so mm. that's how they kind of achieved that. It was kind of how they filmed Lord of the Rings, maybe. Or like, you know, the whole... Yeah, they had the... Um, camera trickery. The, yeah, they had a, uh, they had um, people who were very short play the hobbits in scenes where they're compared to normal humans. Yeah. And then the close-ups were the actors that played the hobbits, because obviously they'd be the same height as Aragorn and Legolas yeah. and the rest yeah. of them. But yeah. And, and I, th- I think... I think they did a similar thing for certain shots where they needed Frodo to be, or they needed the hobbits to be played by the actors, but they needed like Gandalf or somebody in the scene. They had somebody very tall play Gandalf, yeah, so that it you know balances out the height difference. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think, is there any other? Well, I mean, obviously Hagrid is incredible. What are we Dumbledore. talking about? We uh, have to. We got to talk about I... Richard Harris as Dumbledore. I'm going to say this. Richard Harris is my favourite Dumbledore. I mean, Michael Gambon is great, but especially in the film and what what we uh, sort of read about in the book, Dumbledore is this always calm, assertive... You know, when he speaks, you listen. Wise. Very wise. you Very respectable man. And when he does raise his voice like that bit in Halloween, you're like... <laughs> Okay, I'll shut up. Like, like it's yeah. you know he rarely raises his voice, <laughs> and then there's obviously that really memey bit in Goblet of Fire, like with, oh. uh, did you put your name in a Goblet of Fire? That it, I don't know. It, I'm not saying that's Michael Gambon's fault, but Richard Harris really does have this really like warm, calm, yeah, helpful can I, feeling. Can I make an unpopular opinion? Go on then. I prefer Michael Gambon. Do you? Ah. That's, that's Gambon enough. versus Richard I, Harris. I, 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 <laughs> I have to. I have to say, I, I even prefer his version of movie Dumbledore more than I do book Dumbledore. We'll see where the book Dumbledore grows on me. Yeah. Fair enough. But I, I just, I find like the thing for me is that, and maybe, and maybe it's just because maybe the movies became more grounded. But I feel like Michael Gambon's Dumbledore is more grounded than. Yeah. Over the top sorcery birthday wizard Gandalf. Uh not Gandalf, Dumbledore. Gandalf. <laughs> who, who oh I'm, no, here we go. Who I'm like who I'm like like Richard Harris's performance is really great, but I'm like I can't really see you dueling anybody. No, I This would, is yeah. I, I kind of yeah. see you pulling a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's it's slightly distracting. He's yeah. still he's still great in the role and it would have been interesting to see him carry on you know, see where it goes carry on and see what the, the movies would be like later on but yeah i just 
I don't know what it is. We'll, we'll see I, 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 when I read more of Book Dumbledore. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Sorry. Um, I, I, I kind of... I see both points. I, I find it hard to pick one. Richard yeah. Harris is certainly... He looks more like Book Dumbledore and he the character is more like Book Dumbledore and for that reason, I think I feel a bit more of a leaning towards him. But Michael Gambon still did an amazing job and as yeah. like you were saying about the later films... I, I sometimes wonder like how Richard Harris would have approached kind of darker Dumbledore and kind of action Dumbledore as it were like like in Half Blood Prince action where he's Dumbledore. action Dumbledore where he you know Half Blood Prince he's um going to the caves with Harry and he's doing the fire and everything and yeah yeah it, and drawing Voldemort, Voldemort in Order of Phoenix as well I would um, say that uh, yeah it, it would have been interesting to, sorry it would have been interesting to see how Richard Harris would have done it and I would have loved to have seen it. That I think Michael Gambon was very effective in that area. He was amazing in that yeah. area, and he still had that wise kind of awe about him. And you know, when he spoke, you still listened to his every word. So he had your uh, your favorite quote of the entire Harry Potter franchise. Yes, yes. My my favorite quote is: "Happiness can be found in the darkest of times if only one remembers to turn on the light." Yeah, which I the think whole is thing with the candle in the film. Yeah, really and I, I think that's so applicable to you know everyday life as well and it's kind of the most important thing of even when times seem most horrible yeah. there's always something you can hold on to a bit of hope it's a bit of a shame that we have like this this like mini oh richard harris versus gammon because again it's that whole how I, fucking great the casting is they're like yeah. right we're gonna absolutely knock it out of the park with richard harris casting unfortunately passes it away We'll just knock it out of the park again. Michael Gambon, do it. At the end of the day, they're both amazing as Dumbledore. Yeah, they are. They they both thrive in different areas. And so for that reason, they don't really deserve to be compared because they both did it in their own way. They both did an amazing job. And at the end of the day, they're both Dumbledore. They are both Dumbledore. And the thing is, like, I... It's really funny because, like, when I watch the movies, I I don't see the switch. Yeah. You don't, yeah, it's not noticeable. It's just Dumbledore. You exactly. Know, it's just, you know, so it's, you know, it's genius to kind of the, the, the character and how they both, you know, molded into it so well. Yeah. Um, one of my, one of my favourite lines is, uh, I love the, uh, oh, um, well, if you say this is King's Cross, I suppose you could always catch a train. <laughs> yeah, that whole metaphor's great. Yeah. Um, I think there's one other aspect of the Harry Potter franchise that we haven't even gotten into yet. And it's probably one of his greatest works. And it's just typical him is John Williams' score. Oh my <laughs> god. The music uh, is so... Every time I just hear the Harry Potter music, I just feel so happy, so nostalgic, yeah, so emotional, and it, it, it's amazing. Yeah, It's perfect. He did, he did the first three? First three, First yeah. three, yeah. Um, but I think especially, you know, when you think of Harry Potter, you, John Williams. Yeah. Uh, his, his score in, the, is The incredible. rest of the music is great as well. Like, yeah. the, the rest of the composers who did it for the rest of the films, it's still amazing, it's still emotional, It's mm. it fits the scenes perfectly. Yeah. But John Williams is John Williams, you know? John so Williams, like, when you, you see in, in, in uh, Philosopher's Stone, when you see Hogwarts for the first time, there's oh that God, just increase in music. music, and even oh, when you see it's great, the whole... It's a great scene. It, he's in an... In, genius composer of when he like reveals something like when you see the Hogwarts Express for the first time when you see Ho- mm. um, Hogwarts for the first time I guess individual characters having their own theme it's 
Yeah. Yeah, it fits the situations to a T. Yeah. Even, you know, the darker tones of the, the film when it gets to the ending and mm. Voldemort revealing himself, the music swirling and, like, oh shit, it's about to go down. <laughs> this yeah. is a dangerous situation. Um, yeah, is there... I'm trying to think, is there anything uh, that you guys can talk about that I may have missed? You talk about the music, individual characters, maybe like something specific with the film that you... Obviously, love. Relating to the music, oh, that's an interesting question. Um, Do you mean music it's funny in because general? In general, it could be both music okay. or it could be in general. Or... I think I like this. Is the funny thing with like music in movies is that good music is done to a T when it blends so well with the scene yeah. that you don't separate the two in your mind. They're like one thing. Yeah, yeah. and. You know, I, I, I sometimes when I'm, you know, working on different bits and um, doing different things, I'll put on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack in the background. Yeah. Because it's just brilliant. Yeah. And, like, I'll listen to it and I'll be like, yeah, all of this music is great, but apart from, like, the main theme and maybe a bits at the end of certain movies and certain bits in the movies, most of it I don't fully kind of separate from a scene. Yeah. So when I listen to it individually, I'm like, oh, I can't picture where this is in the movie because i don't have the other part of it to yeah, yeah, yeah. It. you know I, I need the scene and then i'll go oh yeah that's from that part of the movie yeah but i feel like it's the same with harry potter like i'm sure if i listen to the harry potter soundtrack you know obviously everybody knows the main theme but and and some of the different like i think it's the great hall bit of music when they first come into the great hall mm. and that's quite popular as well but i'm sure if i listen to that it would be great but there would be a lot of tracks where i'd go yeah, I need the scene to kind of fully recognise what this is because yeah. I, I I need the, the the images with the music. Mm. But it's just great composing all around. Yeah, yeah. All the way through. I do think it also works with music as well, though. But this isn't necessarily Harry Potter. I'm morphing about like Doctor Who and Murray Gold here, but I I like it when I hear a piece of music and I immediately connect it to a scene. Yeah. So especially with things like Doctor Who, I'll hear a piece of music and I can see the scene in my head, second by second, playing out. Yeah. And if if the music can do that for me and help me connect to the story and help me to see remember exactly what happens that also is very effective for me it's, it's it really shows how important music is yeah to an individual scene because you have so many films where you're like well, what was the score of that no idea there, yeah. there's so many films that have such forgettable scores and yeah. you know it is hard to make a memorable score when you have people like John Williams and Hans Zimmer and yeah. Murray Gold making just masterpieces after masterpieces. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of my favourites scenes from Doctor Who is um, This is Gallifrey. Every time I yes. hear that, I, I instantly think of the scene and, and the Doctor giving that speech. Because yeah. that's yeah. just, for me, that's one of the best Doctor Who score moments. Yeah. Um, of which there are many. But... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Music can really make a scene. Um, we'll yeah, back... it, I don't know. I'm trying to think if there's one for that for Harry Potter, which I'm sure there is, but I think the trouble is is that this... I feel like it's... I think it depends. I feel like I can do that easier with shows that I've seen yeah. rather than I can yeah. with movies. And I think I'm not quite the... sure what the distinction is. I think with the third film, the soundtrack for that, might have been because that's one of the soundtracks I had on my phone, so therefore I listened to it a lot. Um when I was in sixth form and I was studying because I always listen to music when I study I can't or when I did study 
I'm going to do silence. But with the third soundtrack especially, I feel like there's a lot of pieces there that I could, you know, connect to a particular bit. And like each moment that happened, each piece of music, I was like, oh yeah, this is this bit and I can like see it. So mm. I think that was the one that most for me, the third year one is the, or third film, is the one where I can really connect most of the pieces to the bits in the film. Whereas, you know, as you say, the other ones, I think as well, because they use a lot of music for like multiple scenes. So that's yeah. probably why we can't connect them to one particular bit, but. Yeah, yeah it's, it's true. Like the mu- there are, there's music that is in certain bits, like they'll play slowed down versions of a theme at certain times. And yeah. Um, w- one that does stand out to me is, is um, when Dumbledore's giving his speech about Cedric at the end of Goblet mm. of Fire. Like I, that's one I can connect. I'm like, oh yeah. I, if I listen to that, I know which which scene it's from. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was gonna say there's a very kind of meta moment in Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. I think it's Philosopher's Stone. I might be getting confused with the second film now, but Wow, how are you flip confused? Well no, films? I think it is the first one. No, it is because it's when they were talking about Norbert. Yeah. Um the Hagrid is playing the Harry Potter theme song on the flute. <laughs> As they walk <laughs> yes. down to the hut and you yeah. hear them say and you're like this is so meta right now. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? I, but it still kind of works. <laughs> thinking of that, like, yeah, you are introduced into a world, especially in the first one, of, like, you know, magic for the first time. You're, like, definitely in Harry's shoes of, like, oh, shit, this, like, glass pane window just disappeared in front of me. This weird stuff is happening. I'm talking to a snake or whatever. This guy disappeared it's, on the card. <laughs> yeah, you're very eased into it. And then you just have, like, Hagrid is like, yeah, I've got a dragon. It's like, yeah, I've got a three-headed dog and what <laughs> and I really love like the interactions I mean, between the characters of I saw a unicorn yesterday yeah like, <laughs> um, I really love the interactions of like the, some of the characters acting to Harry what you've never heard of this before like oh my god how do you not know about this but then some other characters being like oh no well yeah of course you don't <laughs> yeah. you've had none of this in your life uh, yeah that's the thing Harry is at the end of the day, he is the eyes for the audience. Yeah. That is his role in the book. A- apart from being like the main uh, protagonist, he is, we see through his eyes and we are introduced to this world just as he is. So yeah. we go on that journey with him. And yeah, having all those people react to him in different ways. Some people have been like, you don't know this. And then some people being like, oh yeah, hold on, let me explain. That is very true to real life. Yeah. You know, if you say... It's like if you've seen, you've never seen the film or something. Some people are like, what? You haven't seen it? Yeah. And some people are like, oh, okay. And, it, you know, and people they explain have it to you, to yeah. It. Yeah. Or like, not just films, but and anything. As <laughs> you yeah. go back to Hagrid, like, there's the moment in the film, I think it might be the same in the book, where he's like, well, how often do you come across a three-headed dog? It's like, okay, then, so things can be a bit yeah. sparse. There's and... still things that are strange, even yeah. in this world. Um, And actually, I want to go back to... Cause the meeting of this character is slightly different in the book is like we were talking about Tom Felton earlier as uh, oh, Draco yes. Malfoy. We first get introduced to his character in the film before they're about to be sorted with the hat scene. Not even then. It's it's just before that, isn't it? No, we first meet Draco in the robe shop. No, that's we... in the book though. Oh, in the book. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes, sorry, sorry, but yes. yeah, that's what I say. But then in the book, it's in the robe shop and that it's... For me, I found him, you know, you introduced to him, obviously Malfoy is this kind of stuck up bit of character and he, I don't know, he's he's not that much of a dick, I don't feel. Which one? Uh, it, when he's uh, in the robe thing uh, and like, you introduced yeah, him. Yeah, he, he, he's not so, like, I, he's a bit like 
arrogant and a bit like stick up his butt kind of thing but, me, but he's know, not horrible he he's sells like, it to me that like if Harry did yeah, become friends with Malfoy from being in a clothes shop with him I'd be like you know I could understand it yeah could, it, in that sense but I think he did make some kind of derogatory remarks so Harry's yeah, like I don't like this guy very like, very slight because oh, he starts insulting Hagrid I think and he's like I'm liking this guy less and less yeah but yeah he's not. he doesn't show his absolute true colours at that point yeah he, he sort of hints at them it's interesting because I found book Draco more of a dick than movie Draco. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Along, along with the film, yeah, he's an absolute Not ass. necessarily in the first scene, but as yeah. the book goes oh, on, yeah. Most in certainly. particular, there's the bit where they're in the Quidditch stands for the second match, which isn't obviously in the movie. This is all in yeah. the mm. But he's a right dick in that scene. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably like to, to Ron and Neville and Oh, they start fighting, also, yeah. I, oh, and Also, Neville. I love the fact that Ron and Neville just dump Tacker in and start. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yes, Neville. When Ron starts doing it and Neville's like, oh, I'll help. And you're like, yes, Neville, <laughs> get him. Uh, can, we, can we talk about Neville? Oh, yes. <laughs> the chosen one of the Harry Potter franchise, I keep on saying. Um, <laughs> the true hero. He's very well yeah. given, yes. He's, he's one of my favourite characters, even though he's He's like, my favourite male character. Yeah. He's, he's just Neville. <laughs> there should be there should be a a, a a describing word in the dictionary where it's like it's Neville like you are being <laughs> a Neville right now um, no but again like portrayed really well by Matthew Lewis. Matthew Lewis who actually uh, read one of the chapters in yeah, he Harry, re- Potter, he, Harry Potter at Home yeah, yeah. He did part of one of them yeah yeah he's a really nice guy as well oh yeah <laughs> really yeah. funny he's really nice yeah, you just. We say that like we know him. We don't know him, but no, it, I, I follow it, him on social media and stuff. He seems like just a very and I think, decent guy all around. Again, that gets it really well in both uh, book and film. You're just kind of like, you're a buffoon, but oh, a lovable buffoon. You're, you're such a dolt. <laughs> you just want to protect him. Yeah. You want to help him. You want to put him in a cage so he doesn't hurt himself. Oh, just like, yeah. oh, Neville. Also, I, I love the subplot we get in the books with his frog just constantly disappearing. Oh, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> But there's a okay, line in every chapter of like, oh, Trevor was found in this place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's probably like mentioned once in the film where yeah, it's like, oh, I've lost my, lost my frog and then found him right in front of McGonagall. Yeah. Um, happens at least five times in the book. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there any other like specific characters that like stand out to you that, uh, well, uh, that we maybe haven't talked about yet in the, in the first film? McGonagall's real she, good. Yeah. She, yeah. I mean, she, I don't think in the film she has like, very big standout moment but she you know she's all around a very consistent character and very powerful in i'm not sure if it's like the same in the in the film than the book but in the book she's very non-biased yeah she she She, doesn't really give a shit if you're part of gryffindor or not she will punish you if you're like being an ass when when, when it comes to quidditch she's very like go gryffindor want gryffindor to win she's like i want our team to win this year but in every other aspect she's Firm but fair to yeah. every student, including Gryffindor, her yeah. own house. She she doesn't, you know. You kind of wish at times, like you know, when she like tells off Harry or Ron or whatever, you're just like, oh, come on, you're meant to be nice to Gryffindor, but we're so used to that with Snape being so biased towards yeah. Slytherin. It, you're it like, says that because it does say in her book. It says, I think it's in like the first few chapters where Harry's getting used to Hogwarts. He says Snape favors the Slytherins. Yeah. It says McGonagall on the other hand um, didn't favor. Like Snape does, she will yeah. still be strict on them. Strict but fair. Great so. character. Maggie Smith. Yes. What, what a lady. 
Um, I have so much respect for her because I, I don't know if you knew this, but she was battling breast cancer while filming the films. Uh, all um, of the films? Not all of them. I can't remember which period it was. Yeah. But she at one point she was battling breast cancer and she was still bloody, filming. Bloody hell. Really? Wow. Really that's good yeah. I love all these like yeah, I love all these like individual stories that you have coming out of this. Like I think you know, going back to Richard Harris, didn't you say that how he got the, the job of Dumbledore? You, yeah, so apparently this. um I, half these things I say could turn out not to be right, but they're just things I've heard That's over the years. Fine. Um, apparently, Richard Harris's granddaughter loved the book so much, and she said to him, "You know, if you turn down the role of Dumbledore, I'm never talking to you again." So, which depending <laughs> on how old she is, may have been taken seriously or not. Yeah. But he was just like, "Well, I'm like take this role then." Family blackmail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's apparently how he. Talk to the part whether it's true yeah. or not, I don't know, but it's quite funny. Yeah, that's real good. I'm just looking at when... interesting. It's interesting talking about characters from the first book because I feel like the first book and the first movie do this brilliantly, but they're not really like we get to know the characters we need to get to know. Yeah, but we don't fully dive into everybody's character because you don't need to. It's kind of not yet as yeah. a setup for the world and kind of discovering the magic of Hogwarts is the main theme of the book and i think it does that brilliantly and that's what it needs to do yeah and obviously we explore the other characters as we go through the story but yeah that's really interesting um also sorry i just looked at maggie smith and uh this was correct um in 2007 the sunday telegraph disclosed that she'd been diagnosed with breast cancer in 2009 she was reported to have made a full recovery so two years so at least two years. We don't know when she actually was so, diagnosed with it, but 2007, so, it was made publicly aware Which one was 2007? Was that God Probably about Order of Phoenix time. Goblet of Fire, Order of Phoenix. And... Yeah, Goblet of Fire was 2004, 2005. Yeah. My brain's having a meltdown. But yeah, so it's around the latter half of the films. Yeah. Fair play to her. That's incredible. Mm. Um, we don't... <laughs> two characters that we all love, uh, Fred and George. Oh, yes. We, we get introduced to those characters. Uh is it around the same time? Yeah, it's, it was obviously the same time we meet Ron uh, in the Hogwarts platform nine and three quarters. Yeah. Uh, just great. I mean, yeah. we need I say more about Fred and George? They're just the comedy duo that we all love. Yeah. Well, in the book, um, they help Harry take his trunk on board and they're the first ones to realise it's Harry Potter. Yeah. Because um, they're, they're like, he's like, oh, I'm Harry, Harry Potter. And they're like, what? Um, <laughs> Harry? And in- it's interesting how the... Uh, the, the sequences of certain scenes in the book play out in slightly different orders and in a longer way. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting for me. Is like the bits of the book that I was like, oh, this is really familiar because I know this from the, the movie. Like, like when Ron and Harry are there and Hermione comes along, and she doesn't really join them. She kind of pops in and out and with Neville trying to help find his frog. Um, <laughs> Again. Um, Toad. And then you've got like Malfoy coming along into the carriage, which obviously I don't think happens. Not in the film. No, no. They don't meet Malfoy until the, the, uh, they get to Hogwarts. So yeah, yeah. Was, yeah I, I found that quite interesting. Like certain order things happened in. Mm. Um, yeah. Because there's not much difference in this book as to like what happens. It just How? there's a slight different order to things. Yeah. And that was yeah. really interesting. And I liked some of the extended scenes we got in this one. Yeah, that's because yeah. I think that's what the book really just feels like. It's just extended edition of the film. Yeah. But it's like I say, it's not necessarily 
it, it needs to be in there. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't mind having a three and a half hour version of Harry <laughs> Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, so uh, many people would not mind that. But yeah, it's 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 not like you it's... can see why they cut things from the first yeah. one. Yeah, even though you know, like I said, it would be nice to have it. Um, I really enjoyed uh, John Hurt as Ollivander. Oh, of course, yes. I think that might have been one of the first roles I've ever seen him in. No, it was definitely the first one for me. Yeah, and then he was obviously in Alien. Uh, Merlin. The War Doctor Merlin. Um, just a solid actor. Incredible. Yeah. Um, yeah, he... he... It's a bit of a shame, really, because I would have liked to have seen him in more of the films, even though it probably wouldn't make sense, but we just see him in the first and the last one, or second to last film. Uh, films, yes. Yeah. He... Spoilers alert, because we'll be going through the books, probably, but That's he does appear in Goblet of Fire in the book. Oh, does he? At least. I'm, I'm trying to remember the other ones. Don't think he appears in the other ones, but Goblet of Fire, he definitely yeah. makes an appearance. Yeah. I won't say why, but he does make an appearance. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I, I'm trying to think one more. Uh, Ginny probably has more character development in this one film slash book. No, in this one book than she does the entirety of the franchise. Yeah. In film-wise. Uh, when people hate on Ginny, I'm like... No, I don't know, because she's only in it at the start and the yeah, end, because she's not out of Hogwarts. Yeah. But... I think but I'm probably mm. thinking more Chamber Seat. She, yeah. Yeah. She, she gets more development than she does in like the first four movies in this book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but both Ginny and movie Ginny really are quite different. One of the things I... One of the things I would like extended editions of the movies for, and one of the reasons I want to read the books, is more of those character interactions between certain individuals. Whether yeah. between Harry and Ginny, or the moments between Ron and Hermione, which there mm. are a few extra ones in this book. Yeah. Um, the group's interaction with Neville, and they, they're sort of crossing paths on a daily basis, and yeah. that's more of the stuff that I want to see, you know, the interactions between the students. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to add? Of course, there's going to be stuff that you want to <laughs> I add. I could talk about Harry Potter for how days. Much, how much more? Is there any sort of part of the nothing... film and book that we haven't gotten to yet uh, that I might have hinted on that we want to talk about? I think I've got one bit, and that's one of my favourite sequences. I, there's a bit more in the book, obviously. It's the ending where we have like the set of stages of challenges that the. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that the. the the group the trio has to deal yes, with there's like, so, missing from the film yeah uh, so we have like the dog obviously yep fluffy um, fluffy then we have the chairs we Is have the, the devil chairs? snare first devil snare that's the one devil snare then it goes to yeah I found it interesting that because I didn't know this, because it's not in the movie. It's, I don't think it's mentioned in the movie because we don't see all of it. It's that each challenge is set by a different professor at the school. Yeah. And in a different kind of school of magic. I thought that was really awesome. Yeah. Um, and I would have loved to have seen them do the whole thing. In obviously know why it was cut from the movie, but cause yeah, Hermione and Harry staring at a bunch of bottles is not a very interesting <laughs> scene. But, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the I think that's the only task that was removed. If I'm right. Yeah. Because we I had remember. the keys, which was Fleawick. We had the chairs, which was McGonagall. We had uh, Devil Snare, which was Sprout. Mm. Uh, Hagrid obviously did Fluffy. Yeah. And then Quirrell. What did Quirrell do? Quirrell was probably the last one. I don't know. No. Quirrell must have put something in because he defends the dark arts, but my brain's had a meltdown. Um... Yeah, because he does know of any keys and shit. Yeah, so obviously there's Snape... Not, Snape. There's not really a defence against the dark arts challenge, is there? No, I wouldn't say so. Unless you put a creature in there. Yeah, unless he was the challenge. 
<laughs> well, himself. yes, yeah. unintentionally. Um, but obviously Snape did the riddle. Yeah. Which Hermione solved. Yes, good old Hermione. This learn, is why you need smart people. Learn, learn, get good at class, kids. Um, uh, we haven't really... Go ahead, Will. Really interesting point I want to ask Alice, because she might know the answer. Oh, yeah. Where does all of that take place? Where? When? Where in the school? Because I've always wondered, because like, obviously the second book has the Chamber of Secrets, it's... which is quite clearly a dungeon, but... I think it's all the third floor because well we don't know exactly i don't think they've specified but obviously third floor they go into the room with fluffy and then they go down the trap door so i i don't know i think it might be under for school i my mind's having a blank now and i'm like under pressure because i'm like i, think I should know this yeah, that's right. um yeah because i think it's obviously they go down a bit of a drop when they go in the trap door so it possibly might be sort of a little bit under the castle or like I'm not sure exactly, but yeah, it could just be like in the foundations of Hogwarts. But yeah, I always found that somewhere really different from the Chamber of Secrets, like... another foundation. <laughs> Lots of holes you can go down in the castle, but I, I, I've always found that interesting. Is like, well, they mention where it starts. It's on the third floor corridor, but mm. that's not the whole corridor because that's a long bloody corridor. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was about to say it's the third floor. I was like, no way they go down. So <laughs> I yeah. think it, I think it's just sort of a, cha- a chamber or a dungeon under the school. Mm. I mean, it's a quite big castle. There's going to be a lot. of mysterious dungeons yeah. stuff, it was, it was probably it was probably where the prisoners were kept when Hogwarts was an actual castle yeah yeah probably the probably the actual dungeon yeah rather than the one that was built by the guy who wanted to kill everybody well yes uh, <laughs> of that was not. a hidden chamber yes <laughs> um we haven't uh, should we, have we really talked about the entire plot of this film not really no not really so the plot what is the plot oh gosh now I've got to try and do it <laughs> Okay. okay. There's a stone. So there's interesting, a stone. Interesting point. Sorry, before Alice begins, because I, I feel like I don't know whether it's the same for you two, but I feel like you get more of the plot in the book. Yes. About the more, actual yeah. stone than you do in the movie. Oh yeah. Mm. I feel like the focus of the movie shifts more towards Harry and his connection with yeah, Voldemort, yeah. rather than you know why yeah. the stone has been hidden. I don't yeah. know. I always thought that the stone, the Philosopher's Stone, was the third in the Deathly Hallows. No. I know, obviously, now I know it isn't. That's the Resurrection Stone. Yeah. Yeah. Which... They're two different ones. Would, would have made sense, but... Yeah. Yeah. Because I thought that, like, the whole thing about the Philosopher's Stone was, like, you know, that's how Voldemort would come back, because it's resurrecting him, but they kind of evidently did the same thing, but not. Yeah, it's, Philosopher's Stone doesn't resurrect him more stop yeah. them from dying in the first place yeah because they can make the immortal. elixir of life yeah um, yeah it's it, it's it's the holy grail yeah basically it makes you live yes. long harry potter yeah. and holy grail am i doing a brief plot yeah can do yeah i'll try and make it brief. go for it so there's so, a stone so yeah so well there's like two parts to philosopher's stone yeah the the first part is kind of harry's introduction to the world yeah and like that's the kind of a main purpose of this book is like it sets the grounds it sets the foundations of this world but also, we go into um, the, the the particular plot of this uh, book, which is about the Philosopher's Stone. And the, the first sort of... The starting of the sto- stone story, really, is, or in this book, is when Hagrid takes Harry to Gringotts for the first time, and Harry yes. gets his gold. But he later finds out that the bank was broken into that same day, and the robbers were trying to 
uh, robbed the vault that Hagrid and Harry had went to because they went to Harry's vault and it went to another one which Hagrid was doing on Dumbledore's business and he took a little package. So Harry finds out that this vault was robbed, probably trying to find whatever Hagrid took. And so we later find out that uh, what he took was the Philosopher's Stone, which is, as I said before, can be used to make the Elixir of Life. And it belongs to a Nicola, uh, Mr. Nicholas Flamel, who is about 600 years old at this point, 650. Pretty old. Yeah, um, it's pretty. I'm a good innings. Yep, and, and his wife as well. Yeah, um, six. <laughs> yes. Um, so yes, yeah, so the stone has been moved to Hogwarts, and it's now being guarded there because Hogwarts is the safest place. Oh yeah, Hogwarts. it's oh, health and safety, <laughs> Oxfam. Wow. Well, well, seal of approval. Supposedly, aside from Gringotts, it's the safest place to keep something. Yeah. Um, but we find out there is a plot. Not a plot of the film, but a plot of... Uh, Devilishness. Devilishness, yes. That um, Voldemort is trying to steal the stone. Or someone helping Voldemort. Yes, so we, we believe that it's... We're led to believe it's Snape helping him this whole time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some sort of weird exchanges between Snape and Quirrell. We're a bit like, mm, what's this going on? Okay. Um, <laughs> spoilers, but... <laughs> <laughs> Point a bit late, but yeah, no, it's fine. But um, <laughs> but we later find out it was cruel helping Voldemort the whole time because yeah. Voldemort isn't a. Uh, oh yeah, it's also introduced to who Voldemort is because um, Harry finds out that his parents didn't die in a car crash as his Muggle family told him, but they were murdered by this Lord Voldemort, mm. who is the most feared wizard in the whole world. Not the most powerful because that's Dumbledore, but the most. Oh yeah. Did. like he's he was the dark lord you know um and he had been uh relinquished of his power when he tried to kill harry only for it not to work for mysterious reasons if you don't know it's just the power of love lily's protection it's, it's the just power of ancient love. magic <laughs> so Voldemort went into hiding he was he wasn't a fully fledged person he was kind of not non-corporeal being kind of we don't exactly know what yeah. kind of state he was, but he didn't have a body of his own. He was just... He's like a, a, I always define him as a parasite in this movie. Yeah. yeah. He, he latched onto he's Quirrell's a, body. He's a life form, but he only has life because he feeds off of others. Yeah, he's exactly. So he's a bit like a bloody symbiote. A little bit, yeah. So he, like Venom. So he's possessed Quirrell, and he's Venom. getting Quirrell to help him. Um, and yeah, so Quirrell tries to steal the stone for Voldemort to help bring Voldemort back. And even does things like drink unicorn blood for him, which Lovely. Um, will give you a half-life, a cursed life. Because uh, it's a very treacherous thing to do, because unicorns are so pure, and so to kill one is you yeah. know, unthinkable. Um, so yeah, so basically the, the trio, Harry, Ron and Hermione, find out this plot. They race down into the third floor uh, corridor, down the hole, through these tasks, expecting to find Snape. Ron gets knocked out by a chess piece. Hermione has to go back because only one person can go forward. Yeah. Until Harry finds out it's Krill there. Bum, bum, bum. And so he's faced with Voldemort for the first time. Or the first time that he remembers anyway. Um, but he manages to get away. And he manages to get the stone without giving it to Voldemort. Because... Yeah. The, the ending was slightly different in the books to the film. Because it was, Harry doesn't just sort of like defeat him. And then boom, then he gets hit by a ghost and then like faints. It's like yeah. uh, Dumbledore like pulls 
his uh, Kuroa's body off of Harry or vice versa. Yeah, so Dumbledore um, basically got to Ministry, realised no one called me here, what the heck, goes back and manages to get there in time and Harry's managed to hold Quirrell off for so long because we find out that Harry can't, um, Quirrell can't have Harry touching him because he just, it's unbearable pain because of this whole connection between Voldemort and Harry that Harry can't touch Voldemort. Yeah. So he manages to hold off Quirrell long enough, he's about to pass out and he feels someone take Quirrell off him and he passes out and we later find out that was Dumbledore. So... Yeah, I... a little bit different ending, but it doesn't really matter too yeah. much. I really like how this film, whether you watch just this film once, and if you were to rewatch it, it gives you that different perspective. Like, you know, when you see Quirrell talking with Harry in uh, The Leaky Cauldron, Harry goes to shake his hand and he just sort of like, you know, yeah. cowardly pulls himself away and is like, ah, you're very cute, Harry, go, go away. Please <laughs> don't kill me. Um, but it's and, interesting because it's alluded to in the books that he's not with Voldemort at that time. He's just serving him. Cause is he, that it, true? Because in the book it says that he he latches onto Quirrell in like the chapter before they go down into the thing. Because Harry hears him like scream from the other room. I think uh. that's no. I I think I'm pretty sure. I think Voldemort was with Quirrell because basically Quirrell's going travelling. Because he's a defence against dark arts person and he was sort of on his travels, maybe I think he was writing a book or he's just exploring or something, that's when he ran into Voldemort. And I think Voldemort was possessing Grewal the whole time. Yeah. But he was I think when he was screaming he was like he was talking to Voldemort, he was on the back of his head and he was arguing with him or something. Yeah. I think he was possessed by Voldemort the whole time, which is why he couldn't shake Harry's hand and Leaky Cauldron and stuff. Yeah. Um, maybe I so maybe I just stuff. got things out of order but, but it was weird yeah it's, that's what it, yeah I don't know it was just how the way it was presented in the book but yeah that's right um, and also also because as well the unicorn blood that would have been Quirrell doing that because Voldemort couldn't have done that himself so would Quirrell so. be eating the unicorn like that way <laughs> like, no I think Quirrell, I, uh, I think Quirrell was so Quirrell is the one biting the bird not, not him like Leaning backwards, I don't think with, with so, Voldemort's no. head on his back. I think, I think, just, I think it's just being cool. He's got the neck of an owl. He can just rotate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I think uh, that was. It's cool. like one of those. Um, well, we don't know because we sort of see a face and it kind of, it looks scary. It doesn't look human, so it yeah. might have been. Obviously, in the book, it's just a cloaked figure. We can't tell. We just yeah. think it's Voldemort, but we don't know. But it's Voldemort and Cruel, so we um, just see a cloaked figure go from the unicorn way. But in the film, we sort of see a bit of a face. But it doesn't look quite human, so maybe it was Voldemort's side. I don't yeah. know. And but I he did sort of do this. I don't know. Yeah, I like like with the like I was saying with the regardless of when you watch the just this one film, or like even when you watch the rest of the franchise and then go back to watching this film. Yes, Snape is a piece of shit that bullies children and stuff like that. But you know when Harry is on the broomstick, just having that fit or whatever and you look <laughs> oh, at the broomstick's uh, being controlled it's not having a fit yeah well <laughs> I mean the broomstick's having a fit it's being um, cursed yeah uh, but yeah it, like especially in the film like you can see Snape obviously doing his counter charm and you see like you Quirrell, see Quirrell in, the in the corner like holding his hand looking really like focused and yeah because Snape's talking Quirrell's not so yes. obviously you're inclined to believe it's Snape yeah, but Quirrell's just doing it non-verbally really good uh, powerful. really good filmmaking and yeah it's just you notice more things than more when like you, you realize all the information you need to know from the rest of the films in the books, and you go back to watch them or reread them, yeah. and you're just like, oh yeah, I get that now. Or this looks more interesting because I know this, and 
yeah so much more information yeah, yeah. i think the topic of snape is probably the most widely debated in the whole yeah. harry potter so whether he's a good guy yeah. or not but indeed that's probably a debate for another time because that could go on for so long yeah um yes anything else you guys can think of with this film i'm probably going to think of a million or things book. later but yeah well, i mean what what is that will what what sort of uh was the best way to put this what sort of book scene dialogue do you wish was in the movie that is mm. especially with the first one like we were saying earlier <laughs> there's not a lot to choose from in the first yeah one aware, but like, yeah uh i can definitely think of something from the second book we're not there yet yeah, we're not yeah yeah we'll do that a different time um I can't. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the first scene. Yeah, I think maybe a bit more of the Dursleys. Just yeah. them finding out about or having these weird things happening and yeah. But also, that would do two things because mm. I think that's a good choice because I think it would also show something that I don't think we get enough of in the movies, which is what is it like living in the real world? The Muggle with world, the magical world, just there, but yeah, not not everybody can see it. Like, yeah, what, what is that what divide? Would that look like? Mm. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah just, we get shots of it in the movie and it's just regular London. Yeah. yeah. And as well, when Dumbledore and McGonagall are talking, this is in the book, and McGonagall's like, oh, they're shooting stars over Kent, that's probably Dudley's Diggle or something like that. And you're sort of like, if we see shooting stars, we're like, oh, it's a shooting star. I'll make a wish. That could be a wizard doing a firework for all we know. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's all these different things that we just take for normal, and it's like, these are actually caused by wizards, but you wouldn't know. Yeah. It's, but I, I like the book because it puts you in the the shoes of the Dursleys, like being like walking around town and being like, "What the fuck's happening here? This is weird." Um, mm. And then it then puts you in Harry's shoes for the rest of the the franchise. Yeah, really. it's interesting because yeah. that is. I think it might be. Well, um, please please correct if I'm wrong, but I think it's the only chapter that's not in Harry's shoes for the entirety of the... Uh, yeah. There's there's beginning of Goblet of Fire. It's from the perspective of Frank Bryce, who's the yeah. uh, caretaker kind of person who gets killed by Voldemort. Yeah. I think there's like a couple of moments where it's a different perspective. Most of it is obviously But Harry, that, what, but that like one a particularly is... Particularly bit beginning of books where it's sort of setting up some another event. Yeah. And then it links it to Harry later. Yeah. But I, I really enjoyed that first, first well, introduction to this world, really. Yeah. Um, Indeed. Yes. What What else can you guys think of? But Dudley's look a little bit different. In the books, yeah. Dudley's blonde. Dudley's he's meant to be blonde. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Mrs. Muggle, Dursley's blonde as Muggle well. Draco, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Is that what he's meant to be? You could probably like say that that like Malfoy is the the wizard version of Dudley. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. not dumb. And not fat. And not fat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm trying to think in terms of being like the bully, yes. Yeah. Although maybe you could say Dudley's more like Crab and Goyle. Most certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. blonde Crab and Goyle. Um, but yeah, it, like the, the, the film definitely holds a lot of... Like, it, it, it's a lot more humorous for, mm. than I remembered as well. Like, obviously, it doesn't get too humorous towards maybe the end of the franchise but it's a really good introduction like humour wise oh yeah the, the first two films are definitely more kind of light hearted funny and stuff because they, they can be <laughs> you sort of you have yeah. that uh, scope to be more light hearted whereas you um, it's hard to fit that in even though in like Goblet of Fire there's still funny moments and later in the 
later films, they still find moments for humour, but the first few films were definitely the more, had more of those moments because things weren't as bad. Yeah. Yeah. Even compared to the movie, I, I, I feel that there's more, there's even more of a whimsical nature with the book yeah. than there is with the movie. Yeah. Just maybe it's just part of the adaptation, but there's, there's especially like the first scene is another great example is when Mr. Dursley is just walking along and there's people in weird robes stumbling out of alleyways and stuff. And it's like... One that just hugs him. This, yeah, this is just bizarre yeah <laughs> yeah in all honesty it's yeah. like well, it, not like real life but it, it, it's you know when you're walking around town you just see a weird guy you're just like oh whatever let's just carry on but yeah. it's just yeah. that but for with wizards <laughs> yeah and people in weird robes because in the book you have you kind of allow it allows time for like just normal things have having to harry like his normal timetable and classes and just Mm. Or no, it sort of gives a timescape. Um, what do you call it? I mean, I kind of mentioned it earlier, and, but the one that I would like to see is just more of those moments with the, uh, like the main three characters and the classmates, just mm. whether it be yeah. the extra lessons or the extra time that they're yeah. studying and the small interactions. There's not yeah. a lot in this book, but there's enough there that kind of builds upon the stuff we do see in the movie and the bigger scenes. Yeah. Um, and I just feel like reading the book it feels like they have more of a year at school than they do in the movie yeah yeah it feels like which obviously year. you know it's gonna time wise that's gonna happen yeah, anyway yeah. but yeah. i just thought of another character that i'm interested to see what your opinions on but uh professor flitwick oh yes we haven't talked about warwick davis yet good old warwick How davis <laughs> in the film but what plays i two characters. yes he does he plays grip hook grip hook the who's goblin also, who's also in the last one as well um but i kind of wish in the films that they kept his look from the first yeah it's this kind of, weird he's more like, meant to be like older outrageous einstein-y looking yeah crazy dwarf um professor but in not the dwarf. Late, well uh, you know what i mean um S- smaller on the smaller, smaller side smaller yes person. uh sorry about that um <laughs> no but i'd rather him keep that look of you know, again, the robes and the, the weirdness of it. Uh, rather old than, kind of thing. Rather yeah. than him in the later books just looking like a guy with a ball. Rather than the, qu- the choir inductor that he becomes well, yeah. in the later films. Yeah, they, they merge the choir and the Flitwick. Yeah, yes. yeah wearing a suit and then... Yeah, I don't know. I, I like the weirdness. I wish they kept the yeah. weirdness. Um, but yeah, what, and that like, obviously I was that uh, infamous scene of Wingardium Leviosa. Yes. Yeah. You said it quickly. Well I, I can do Not magic. Not Levio Star. <laughs> yeah, I can do magic now. Um, I think there's a moment in the book where he falls off his books, which I don't do in film. Oh, God, that would have been great. Just tottles over. Um, I think it's when James blows the thing up. It's what happens when you balance on books, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, he kind of has to, really. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think if, if you guys haven't really got anything else to say, I think that might be all. Yeah, I think we've talked about the major parts. It is, it is very good. Very, very good. It holds oh, yes. up. I have one more question for you both. Yeah. And that is, do you think they'll continue Harry Potter at home? I hope I they do. I hope they do, yes. I, I, yeah, I think, because initially it was just meant to be a thing during lockdown, you're keeping the kids busy, yeah. getting more kids into it. They don't necessarily read, but they wouldn't mind listening to it. Yeah. But I think, hopefully it's been successful enough that they think about doing the second and one not all of the main actors did read a chapter oh yeah there's so many yeah. actors that could be approached to do it and 
not even ones who are in Harry Potter, but you know, external ones. Yeah. You know, we had David Beckham doing a chapter or doing part of a chapter with David Tennant. And yeah. Alec Baldwin. Yeah, you know, so many people. David who, Beckham, the Quidditch commentator. Yeah. Oh <laughs> doing Lee Jordan's parts. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I think. I think there would definitely be an audience for it, and I, I hope they do. And Whether like, they do or not, I don't even know. Even if they don't, I mean, we know that uh, Stephen Fry did the audiobooks for every single of one of them, which they're I mean, absolutely it, amazing. It, it, it's Stephen Fry, they're, of course. <laughs> yeah, but they're what I grew up with. But obviously, I've read the books as well. But I was in Car Journeys, we listened to, like, big uh, Car Journeys, we listened to Stephen Fry's audiobooks, and they're just as much fun to listen to as it is to read or to watch. So, yeah. if you haven't checked them out yeah. and you'd Particularly if you're not big on reading and you, but you want to sort of listen to the books, I yeah. would recommend Stephen Fry's. Um, I certainly might do, seeing as we're going to be continuing watching these. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we probably will uh, not do them too quickly because I like to sort of do do something else like this. Maybe do like both book versus film. Not not seven we'll versus. Get the books. <laughs> yeah, like you know, when we'll get through the books when we can. It's not like any sort of rush to do them. And, no, uh, of course. The Phoenix is going to be fun. Oh, <laughs> oh it's going to take oh, forever. Oh boy, how many pages is that? Like a thousand? Oh, over God. a thousand. You know this. Uh, <laughs> I, I keep talking. I'll well, think. it's uh, the first. The first book. It, it was quite like we said, brisk and easy. It was what seventeen chapters. The second one is about nineteen. Something like that. Something yeah. like that. It's only just longer, but still very, very easy to read. Very quick. And then yeah, it's not until we get Order of the Phoenix, which is like. 32 chapters or something <laughs> ridiculous yeah. and yeah it also gets me kind of excited because i you know what more haven't don't we know and we know that um i might have to make notes with the later books i think on like extra yeah. bits that i can't i i notice well it's, we know that um it, the half-blood prince is i'd say controversial in quotations because there's a lot of I, I don't think it's particularly the best film, even though I've said earlier it's consistently good. It is a good, enjoyable film, but also it just feels like there's something missing, and that stuff missing, you know, in the books, it's most certainly Voldemort's past, his like yeah. motivations. Like, everything about Voldemort is in the first... Uh, the, well, the, the Half-Blood Prince book. Oh, there's so much missing from yeah, Half-Blood Prince. Yeah, exactly. And oh, uh, we could also say a certain character's funeral was also cut. From yep. the film, which and also gave a little assessing character's entire backstory. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to talk about these films with both the book and the film. Yeah, the further we go, the more differences are going to be. Yeah, and then when we get on to uh, Cursed Child. Yes. You want to talk about that? We'll have to read it. Mm, I've already read it. I'd have to read it again. <laughs> I'll read it for you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I can't find how long Lord of the Phoenix is now, but it's, it's long. It's very long. It's, it's just long. It's very long. Yeah. That's good. Anyway, uh, thank you, Will, for doing, right. a, do, doing a Discord uh, bloody pod. Yeah. Discord no, it's pod. It's been good. It's been nice good. use of an evening. Yeah, that's good. Um, thank you for doing this. We'll go back Sorry in. for being an insufferable know-it-all. No, <laughs> no, it's good. Harry no. Potter reference there. We'll definitely try and... Be criminal to do these Harry Potter ones without you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. If, we, if we, even if we're going to be doing like other um, franchises, maybe if we get to do a Lord of the Rings one, we'll have to get Pete or Ed involved. Oh, most yeah. certainly. Maybe we get them both on at the same time because we'll just be like, right, Lord of the Rings, and we'll just leave. And, and let, let, you, let, you, let you carry on. <laughs> you two. <off> you go. <laughs> uh, 
No, but it's good. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everyone, also for listening to this. If you enjoyed it, then do subscribe if you want to listen to more. Um, do share it around with your friends and your family. Uh, share it around with your three-headed dog. Why don't we do that? Yes. And your Fluffy. Norbert. Norbert. Yeah. Share, share Nor- it with Norbert. Norberta. Yeah. And Kevin. Yeah. And Kevin and the Hound. Right. <laughs> and the Hound. Share, um, share around and also if you want to get in touch with us to I don't know what do you think what do you think of the uh, Philosopher's Stone book or film because actually tell you what I was at work the other day and I mentioned to one of my co-workers that I was doing a podcast on the Philosopher's Stone and he said oh I recently re-watched that it was bad oh and I was like okay <laughs> I, 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 yeah. you know what, you're, the conversation stopped there yeah you're entitled to your opinion mate but it's wrong <laughs> Don't go all we'll do on us. <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, no, yeah. So again, what is what is your opinion? Do you like it? Do you dislike it? What what do you not like about it? What what would you like to have seen? What what parts of the books would you like to have seen in the film? Please get in touch. And uh, yeah, I'm not sure what we're going to be doing next podcasts. I've got a list. We'll discuss it. Might have to do bite sized ones, or whatever. Do news ones again. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you next next time. Thank you guys for joining and see you soon. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.